Welcome to the Personal Best Podcast, powered by Jets Australia. My name is Bart. I'm going to be one half of your hosting cohort today. To my left is the man to miss the enigma. It's Jacob Kettle. Good morning, Bart. Uh, something you should know is the word gymnasium is derived from gumnazo, meaning exercise, and gumnos, meaning naked and or loincloth. The gymnasia were the ancient Greek equivalent of sports centres and several were located just outside Athens city walls. Another thing you should know <laughs> is to follow the podcast on us on socials and to have a good day. How are you this morning, Bart? Mate, I'm good. That was wordy. That was very, very wordy. I'm very glad you read that off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so have you seen photos of the old gym, the, the original gymnasiums before? Yeah, the old, the old ancient ones. Absolutely. Naked men doing exercise. Good times good times but also like gyms of like the 60s and 70s right yep a lot of it was just calisthenics yep. so and it'd be similar to gymnastics movements that you see now you know the pommel horse and the parallel bars but rings and all this other sorts of stuff really it was a lot simpler you know there was no adductor abductor machine you reckon it's just because we of the capitalistic society we we fit we found a way to you know make people come in Buy yes, more equipment. But do you know what I think we've done best? Is that we've made it easy. Yeah. So like the, the machines these days, they're, they're easy to use, right? Yep. And so because it's a lower barrier to entry, you know, you don't need to learn how to do an iron cross to, to enter a gym now. You can just come in and sit on a leg press and, yeah. and do your thing, which isn't, isn't a bad thing. Yeah, they're getting easier and easier. The machines are getting so much better. It's just oh. like you can sit down, do a hack squat the safest way possible. 100%. Do you know what I saw the other day, right? So... The Instagram algorithm has got me on gimmicky pieces of gym equipment. Yes. And the one I saw, I couldn't believe it, was like an ab wheel rollout machine. You know, you put your elbows on it and you roll out like the ab wheel, mm-hmm. but it had a phone holder on it. Ah. So you put your phone on this thing, it's right in front of your face, you put your elbows on it and then you roll out and roll back. And then I thought, how, how long can you do that exercise for? Does it demand... A distraction device? Yeah. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> it does. You need to see the podcast you're listening to or the uh, how to do it. Yeah, no, that's a bit bit of a stretch there. But if it does allow you to watch this podcast more, I'm all for all that. For it. Um, I want to open up with a public service announcement. Okay. <coughs> to, to the public? Uh, public service private. announcement. Okay. Not private. Your phone is ruining your gains. And I don't mean this just because of the blue light coming from it and the distraction of it throughout the day, but I mean in the gym, right? I'm still seeing it time after time, and I think it's getting worse. People doing a set and then distracting themselves and scrolling. Mm-hmm. And they might scroll for 30 seconds, they might scroll for five minutes, and then doing another set and scrolling. They're here. When, if we want to build a house, you don't just hammer a nail. I know a lot about building houses too. You don't just hammer a nail and then scroll and then hammer another nail and scroll, you're in it. You're distracting yourself. And we know that the body is this beautiful integrated machine. So when we're in the gym, we should be focused on that. We should be focused on the body, focused on recovering. A great concept I learned a little while ago was when we do a set of an exercise, we're working out. But in our rest, really, we should be working in. How beautiful is that? And thinking about recovery, Mm. thinking about the next set, visualizing the next set, what can I work on? What can I do next? And then for that 45 minutes or an hour you spend in the gym, that's your time. That's your meditation. You're not distracted by what's happening on Instagram or, or TikTok or what have you. A bit different if you're following a, a program on the phone, but you don't need to check it every single set. So here's a hot tip for you out there. If you are a prolific scroller in the gym, put the phone down. 
And what I want you to do is put the phone down, finish your workout, and then take a photo, take a selfie, and tag us. J-E-T-T-S Australia, Jets Australia, and hashtag 100% phone free. I want to see more 100% phone free workouts out there. Tag us on Insta, post it on your story, and let's start this gains train moving, baby. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I like the analogy of hammering a nail and then checking your phone because, you know, we don't do that. I'm a victim to that of the scroll, the mid-scroll, you know. Mm. I feel like sometimes I'm a bit antisocial in a gym and I'm checking my phone, however. I have, however, gone to back to the analog watch. Interesting. Times. I've haven't, I'm having a break from the Apple Watch, so I'm liking it less. I'm, I'm able to check my time and my, mm. my rests, but maybe one day I'll get back into it, but... Maybe I should put the phone down, as I, as you say, mate. I reckon. No, I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of people out there that just do this, and you'll feel a difference. You'll notice a difference between your, in your workout. You'll, mm. you'll you'll work out more intently, more purposefully, and then over time you'll see results. And I mean, we look at a screen in, in every other hour of the day at work, what have you, in the gym. Make it your time. It's about you and you moving your body and lifting some heavy stuff up and down. And people watch as Bart does, and how he <laughs> looks at people and their their poor form. It's fun. Sometimes uh, you just. Look at the reflection in the mirror, not staring at anyone in particular, but, you know, you're seeing the concoction of people working towards their better self, and it's a fun time. It is a fun time. I never judge, though. All right. No, I so never judge. That was you're, a joke. You're, you're making me sound creepy. I'm a, I'm a jokester by trade. So. All right. I have another thing for you. <clears throat> have a look at this. Who's that? That's Danny Rads. And look how jacked he is. Is this, is this some kind of film? Is he playing Sparta so in a new film? So apparently it's a TV show. That I've never heard of, yep. but in every episode he comes up as a new character and he's playing like a road warrior character in this episode. But look at him, like Harry Potter's come a long way. Daniel Chadcliffe, am I right? Or uh, as someone else on the internet called it, Harry Squatter. I like that. <laughs> we'll put the photo up in the video. Look up Daniel Radcliffe yeah, Jack's images if you can't see the video of this podcast. But uh, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And it got me thinking about celebrity transformations, right? I think I've told this story in this podcast a little while ago, but I used to be an actor. And there was one role I went for that was for Spartacus. Mm-hmm. You remember the TV show Spartacus? No, but I know Sparta. Yep, <laughs> yeah, Spartacus. I know, I've, heard, I've heard of it, yes. I've it's, seen it's a similar thing, hey? Just yep. a lot of really good-looking people in ancient times yep. fighting, what have you. And so I got like to the third round of an audition. I was really excited because if I got the role, it would have flown me to South Africa and I would have done a three-month training camp to get in shape for the aesthetic of, of the role. Yep. Didn't get it because I was an inch too tall and had the wrong eye colour. But that process happens just before, just about, in just about every single aesthetically focused film or TV show. There's a training block, and we yep. know there's heaps of stories about Henry Cavill and, and all, the, all, all the superheroes training for their thing. But it's, it's, it's tough. Like, there's a lot of pressure. You have three months... To get to a certain point, to look for a certain, to look at a, look a certain way on a certain day, and you're gonna put in all this work for like a five minute shoot. Yeah, um, it would be f- it would be fun though. Imagine if that was all you had to do was just focus on that. Um, do you reckon they were actually str- like looked jack back in those days? Like we've mm. come a long way as a society in how to build muscle and become. Do you reckon they were just like Joe Blow to us now? But like back then, they were they were looking big. So a good way to sort of understand what they looked like is to have a look at ancient sculptures. And even like to an extent, like like early 1900s, late 1800s strongmen before real fitness equipment and, and all that sort of stuff. And you see a lot of 
a lot of striking commonalities between strong people now and strong people back then. Mm-hmm. Like their obliques were really thick, their traps were really thick, their their trunk essentially was really, really strong. So they didn't do as many curls as we do now, but they did a lot of very aesthetic stuff that sculpted their, their midline. So I think to answer your question, it was a different type of jacked. Yep. It was athletic. Everything had a purpose. You know, you didn't just do do curls to look a certain way. You did you did curls to be better at wrestling or, or shooting a bow or, or, or what have you. But it's actually cool to have a look at old sculptors and see what they did look like. And then emulate your training if, if you really want to. Yeah. I'm going to take a left turn. Have you tried Spotify's DJ function? I'm a man that frequents Spotify a lot and I have, but, and I'm, I'm, I can dare say I'm a fan so far of what I've done. I haven't used it that much, but I've heard the, the DJ's voice. And I'm yeah. all for that personalization. What so do you think? I think th- I've heard a number of di- like th- that DJ voice changes for me. Oh, does it? Yeah, I'm not like different different American accents, but there's one that's mainly there. But I think it's Is it, are they doing shifts? The AI can't be worked for more than eight <laughs> hours at a time. Yeah, there's an AI union. It can only work for a certain amount. I of time. think <laughs> I think I've got that currently with my Google Home. I think they're doing shifts because at one point it was a female voice, right? And I got very accustomed to it, and then I had to reset. I turn turn the power off and turn it back on. And it was a male voice, and sometimes I'll wake up to a woman, <laughs> but go to bed to a like to the man's voice, and they change, and I'm not okay with so, that. So here's, okay. here's a question for you: if, So, if the man wakes you up, are you reluctant to wake up? Like, do your behaviours change? Yeah, I think. Oh, like it, it, I feel like it's <laughs> you, it's worse. I don't like the up. yeah. Who's this guy? Oh, um, but yeah, Spotify DJ. So if, very if you, cool. If you're out there and you're a Spotify um, aficionado like we are, try it. Because I was reluctant. Then I tried it maybe two or three days ago and that's all I've been listening to. Yeah. Because every now and then he goes, hey, here's some songs from 2018 that you haven't listened to in a couple of years. And you go, oh, hell right. yeah, I'm back. But this does, this is the beginning of the AI takeover, but and this is the first step in radio hosts not being anything more. And we... They are kind of dying away anyway. People just listen to music, but they're in your ear. You know, this, oh, why would I listen to the radio when I got the Spotify DJ accustomed to me? 100%. The next thing you know, it'll be Spotify podcast AI. Far out. And they'll accumulate all the podcasts you listen to. And then they'll, they could just be making a podcast for you. They could be combining all the topics that you like. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's new in the world today? They're just going to do that. And we're not even going to know. No, we won't. It'll be a seamless transition. And they'll be like, all right, he listens to podcasts that have a, that, that have a, an average of three hosts. So we'll make sure that there's three hosts and, you, and this person likes segmented podcasts. So we're going to craft it to, to hit their yeah. dopamine. And I think we won't like it at first, but we're not. they might not tell us. Man, it'll be the way of the world. I've mm-hmm. heard stories of like even, even movies. So there'll, there'll be a point where we can go, all right, AI, generate a movie based upon all of my preferences. And then all of a sudden, it'll put together mm. an action film that has this certain type of comedy with this certain type yeah. of actor, and it'll be unique every time you watch it. Yeah, well, I don't like the, the creativity side of it. I don't like because they're not making new ideas. They're just combining old ideas. So you're not really getting anything. But, you know, it could get there. Well, that's right. The AI learns. And if if mm. it knows it's giving you the same ideas, maybe it'll create new ideas. Mm. But I suppose that's why they're striking over in the States at the moment. Yeah. The, the, the writers union. I'm, I'm with, I stand with the strikers, you know. I do too. I, I do want Netflix to come back with good shows, so hurry up, <laughs> execs, and sort it out. Yeah, hey, your writers. Yeah, you heard it right here. Um, should we jump into some questions? Let's get into so some questions. Right. 
the fitness talk, the, we've stopped talking about <coughs> hot bods That's it. and meaningless stuff. We're and getting AI. the thick of it. The real stuff. Let's go. Question one. All right. Why should I do rack pulls instead of a conventional deadlift? Very cool. A rack pull. Have you done rack pulls before? Oh, uh, very sparingly. Mm. Me, me too. I think I, I did. A, I was on a tear a few years ago. Yep. We haven't done them recently to, to my own detriment, I imagine. But for those out there that don't know what a rack pull is, so if you know what a deadlift is, lifting from the floor to a fully extended position, the rack pull is essentially the, the first half of that movement performed in a rack, rack pull, or on some safety bars. So think about the bars is sort of set up at your, just below your knee or just above your knee usually. It might vary on height uh, depending on what you're trying to do. And then all you do is practice the top half of the deadlift, the, the lockout of the deadlift. And then what this allows us to do is lift heavier because we're stronger in the top half of the deadlift than we are in the bottom half of the deadlift. The, the dark side of this is you see a lot of, um, a lot of people just loading up unnecessary weight yeah, this is the this is the number one exercise of people trying to show off how strong they are and taking yeah. up every twenty kilo plate in the gym just to lift a bar three inches. Yes, and I think it gets a bad name because people don't never are never doing it right to its full effect. It's mm. just mainly for showboat reasons, and there is some very like proper things that is benefiting from it, but people aren't doing right, and it kind of gets a bit. It, it does. It's a lot of work too because you yeah. you have to get a lot of weight. And you got to set it up. Yeah. It's similar to shrugs. Like yep. there's, there's always that one guy in the gym that just loads all the weight on the bar and just shrugs that bar up and down and then drops that bar, makes a heavy noise, waits five minutes and does it again. Not to say the shrug is a bad movement, but it can be expressed in a, in a pretty bad way. Yep. Why would we want to do brack pulls? There's, there's a number of reasons. The first is practicing your bracing and positioning at the top of the deadlift. So there are some instances where I'll take someone to a rack pull before we t- before we learn a, a full range of deadlift, just so we can practice the bracing of the midline, the neutral spine position, and then teaching them how to hip break. Because someone told me ages ago, and it makes perfect sense. If you're if you've got a barbell on your back, if you're holding your barbell, whatever moves first will take the weight. So if okay. you, if you bend your knees first the knees are going to take all of that tension. And on a deadlift, we want the hips to be pushing back first. And so a lot of a lot of newbies to the gym who are learning just how to deadlift struggle with this hip hinge movement. So the rack pull can be a way to limit their range and then just practice pushing the hips back and then standing up. And then obviously you add in the other portion of the deadlift. You move that rack down and down and down and down until you're at the floor doing your, your full deadlift. So that's the first thing. It teaches you good technique and teaches you good bracing. Uh, the second thing is back development. A lot of people don't understand just how good a deadlift or a rack pull can be for your back development because it's a massive isometric contraction. So your lats need to, a proper, if you have to do a proper rack pull or a proper deadlift. Your, nat, your lats need to be locked in. Your upper back needs to be on. Your entire posterior chain is bracing isometrically, meaning it's not moving. What a rack pull allows you to do is to lift more weight than your conventional deadlift, so it makes that isometric contraction even more powerful, mm-hmm. sends a louder signal. And so people can get some mad lat development and back overall back development from doing rack pulls correctly. Yep. If we're in a poor position, obviously that's not going to happen. If we're sort of shrugging our shoulders and that bar's way out in front of us, probably not going to happen, but a well-performed rack pull can add a heap of mass for people that haven't done a rack pull before but is it something it's a bit difficult to do 
movement wise, but it's also a bit difficult, would you say, to do with light weight? Like it's something that you kind of need a bit of weight to do correctly. So how would you go tell someone that's doing it for the first time? Obviously, they don't want to put too much on the bar, too little, because you're kind of trying to find where you're at and find the movement. So what would you like? tell someone if they're going to do a rack pull for the first time i'd say start light and this is the yeah. same with a lot of movements and i'm sure you're aware of this as well that if you just do an empty bar squat or an empty bar deadlift it feels it feels not quite right because there's not enough weight to resist against there's not enough force yeah you might be more willing to do like a bit of a row yeah. instead of like a proper rack pull absolutely if you go really light but if you go a bit heavier if you add a bit of weight on you might find yourself in a better position so i yep. suppose the recommendation would be to start light and build yourself up very slowly. You know, there's no there's no race here. We don't need to get to the to the peak weight right now. We can do that a few weeks down the track. So practice the perfect movement, add a bit of weight on, you know, test the position if you're feeling good and, and then go from there. But that's that's sort of common sense for, for most movements, I, I suppose. And then so there's two more things with the rack pull that I want to mention. One is speed training, which I think is underutilized, but it's, a, it's an advanced skill. So when we look at sort of the conjugate method and, and Westside Barbell and a few other strength and conditioning programs, they use these dynamic speed efforts to f- stimulate the, the nervous system and the fast twitch muscle fibers. So it means doing the movements that you're accustomed to, but fast and lighter. That's the idea. And not to fatigue because speed is developed sub-maximally. And as soon as you start doing a set of speed work and your speed starts to drop, you're not training speed anymore. But a rack pull can be a really good way to train speed because it's a short range of motion. You can still add on a fair bit of weight. And it's a, it's a, because it's a short range of motion, the, the risk is a little bit less. So it's a good way to sort of train the speed of the hip lockout, um, uh, as is a deadlift, but I think it's a bit safer with a rack pull to start with. And then the second thing is grip. Because you can add more weight to the bar for your rack pull as compared to your deadlift, your grip has to work over time. So if you're, um, if you're always finding you have to reach for the, the wrist wraps to save your grip when you're doing back day or whatever, try some rack pulls without it to start developing that strength in your grip because it's overload training. You're not going to put that weight on the bar for a deadlift or any other movement, which means your grip is going to have to work over time and eventually over time it will become stronger. But a very, I think it's a bit of pretty underrated movement, the rack pull. I might have to do a few of those myself. Yeah, I'm feeling like I want to do some now. All this talk about it. All right, I'll I'll do it before next week's episode. Okay. I'll report back. Cool. Question two, what are the best ab exercises? Yeah, cool. So ab exercises are are among some 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 of the most poorly executed exercises out there. Not not because it's anyone's fault. Yep. Just because like the good ones are really hard to do. Right, yep. so we have to start slow. And so remember, when we're talking about abs, we're talking about the stability and movement of everything to do with your with your spine, essentially. And so we've done this on the podcast before, but it, 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 it's a good illustration. If we're doing leg leg raises or uh, or sit ups or what have you, and we're not actually arching uh, our lumbar spine, flexing and extending our lower back, the abs aren't doing much other than bracing. And so you can do this in your chair right now. Sit up nice and tall. And then push your lower back to the wall behind you and then stick your belly out. Lower back, stick your belly out. That movement is how we want to train our abs in some, in some instances. So keep that in mind. The ones I found that work the best, and I'm on a tear of ab exercises at the moment. It's transferring very well into everything else. Cable side bends. This one is incredible. So you know mm-hmm. how you pick up a plate or a, or a, or a dumbbell 
and you sort of bend to the side to hit your obliques, to hit your QL. Mm-hmm. Really great stability movement that I think, again, is underrated. Do it with a cable. I did it the other day. Incredible. So I did it before my deadlift. My deadlift felt incredibly stable. Ab wheel rollouts. You know I'm a big fan of ab wheel rollouts when done correctly. But you need to make sure you're in an ab crunched position. As soon as that belly shoots um, shoots to the floor and you start to poke out your, your butt like Donald Duck, you're not, you're not bracing how I want you to brace. I want those abs to stay crunched and, and hollow. Yep, make sure you have a phone holster uh, <laughs> equipment for that as well to put your phone in. Only if you're watching this podcast. Um, a strict knees to elbow, hanging from a bar, bring your knees to touch your elbows, killer. So good. I did mm-hmm. some of them this morning. And the toes to bar. Um, hollow hold and hollow rock positions I think are really important because they carry over into other movements. So the hollow position, look it up. It's a gymnastics, a very basic gymnastics movement. Learn the hollow position, practice the hollow position, and then adopt the hollow position in your pull-ups, in your ab wheel rollouts, even in stuff like your deadlift. And this is how we brace our core. This is how we practice. Um, V-ups, I'm a big fan of cable wood chops, so rotationary strengths. You got it. I think they're really good. And then again, some very underrated stuff and unconventional stuff is carries. Heavy farmer's carries, there's nothing more functional for your core than that, stabilising those weights either side. Overhead carries, people will struggle with this because they've, they've lost how to connect their abs to their overhead position. And crunching your, ab, crunching your abs overhead is really hard, particularly if you haven't practised it before. Yeah. And, uh, and suitcase carries, which we mentioned the other day, stabilising the opposite side. Love them. So I think, I think those are the best ab exercises. But they might be a bit a bit advanced for some people. So regress these, take your time, start light, and practice proper movement of the, of the lumbar spine. Yep. And would you suggest like, I know a lot of beginners go into the gym and they're like, all right, they might be like a bit overweight. Let's get let's let's get this six pack roll and let's do some ab workouts. Yeah. But it's something that you should you know work on those like foundational movements like a like a deadlift that's yeah. just bracing your midline and that'll do a lot better work in the beginning than going for those ab exercises. Yeah, well, I love that advice. Learning how to brace your midline through bigger, heavier movements is an awesome way to train your core. And you don't need to do a thousand sit-ups to to lose that belly fat. In fact, I'm going to do a coach's corner specifically on how to lose belly fat and how to do it the right way. So listen to that. Do you think there's a a funny thing of like um, a coming of age, you know, like a young man's life where I saw like a TikTok the other day and it was like this, brother opened his the door to his um little brother and he was like doing sit-ups like i need to like do <laughs> i remember i um when i was like 12 or something i think i wanted to like start doing i, I was like all right training i did like so like a couple hundred sit-ups of never doing really? sit-ups before i don't think i had i I missed the next day of school because so I, I was so I so <laughs> sick the next day, so sore. I think I missed the entire day of school. That's kind of, <laughs> so, so you know you know rhabdo 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 myelitis. It's yeah. where you work out so hard, you, 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 your muscles break down and get into yep. your blood. It's not not a good thing. Apparently, like one of the best way, <laughs> one of the easiest ways, not the best. One of the be- one of the easiest ways to do that is to do exactly what you did: ab work. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because you because te- those muscles aren't supposed to stretch that much. And yeah, bro, you could have done some damage. I, yeah, I did. That's probably why I don't have abs now. I was like, I <laughs> they're done. I, they're I was like, all right, this is this is what a sit up is. All right, let's do three hundred <laughs> of them at eleven years old. But that that totally is a coming of age story. Though. There is a point in a young man's life where you start to do push ups and sit ups in your bedroom. Yeah. Just leaning, leaning, boys. <laughs> keep keep it rolling. All right. Question <clears throat> three. All right. How do I know how many calories to eat to lose weight? I know I know I need to be in a calorie deficit, but I don't know what it looks like in reality. Gee, this is yeah. question of all questions, isn't it? It is a question of all questions, and I understand there's a lot of beginners out there that um that need they need this answer. Like they, they they sort of hear protein and carbohydrates and fats and calories, but they don't like they they know it's a thing, but they don't understand how to apply it. And so I suppose if you are a beginner and you're understanding where your calories are at is Hey, there's no hurry. We can take our time, do a bit of research on proteins, carbs, and fats, understand what macronutrients are. But the best way to sort of find out where your calorie calories are at at the moment and how to adjust them is to track it. So what I want you to do is download you know, Fat Secret or, or, or MyFitnessPal or even just write it down and you can do some calculations yourself and just record what you typically eat throughout the week. Don't change it. Don't think you have to impress anyone or do anything. We just want a baseline. Mm-hmm. And then if you put that into the app, you'll, it'll spit out a calorie amount. And if your weight isn't changing mm. by eating these foods, we can consider that your calorie maintenance. So if it spits out 1,800 calories, we can assume that when you eat 1,800 calories, you're not going to gain weight, you're not going to lose weight, and then we can adjust from there. And so that's sort of the first step. Understand where you're at and then learn to adjust. And then to enter a calorie deficit – we simply shave off some calories from one of your meals and that'll put you in a calorie deficit and you'll start losing weight. Whether that weight's from fat or muscle is depend is dependent on, on a few things or water or what have you is dependent on a few things, but that's a place to start. Don't need to overcomplicate it just yet. Understand where you're at and then enter your deficit. But then, and then sort of the next extension of that is understand that you eating at that new deficit, let's say it's 1,700 calories now, your body won't continue losing weight at this deficit. Your metabolism adapts. And then there's going to be a point where you're eating 1,700 calories, you're not losing weight, and then you go, all right, I'll bump it down to 1,600, and you'll start losing weight again. Mm-hmm. That's how the deficit works. And so if you've listened to the podcast before, this is why I always encourage a deficit and like a mini cut and a mini bulk, a mini deficit and a mini surplus to keep the metabolism um, adjusting and adapting to what we're doing because yep. if you're training right, you'll um, you'll build muscle in the calorie surplus parts, and then you'll burn fat in the calorie deficit parts. So we need that variability in your calories to keep your body ticking over, uh, and making sure we're burning fat and not burning muscle. Yep. And if you feel like that's all a bit too much, counting calories, and you just you start doing it, checking them in your your phone on your MyFitnessPal or whatever, uh-huh. checking the calories of certain foods that you eat regularly and then cutting them out is just an easy way to start like you might check your week or whatever have you and you the muesli bar that you eat every day you're like geez that's that's hectic calories i didn't Mm -hmm. know that was in that and you just cut that out to start with like that's a good starting point it is than rather just going looking at the entire week and fully changing your diet it's just like that one thing I didn't know that had so many calories, I'll start with that, get rid of that. Absolutely. And then and then, and then from that starting point, you can start to layer in, hey, that music bar also had a heap of sugar. 
Yeah. You know what what what, what could I what could I swap out for that if I want to add add calories back in? But yeah, start start super simple and don't overcomplicate it. And just remember, this whole this whole fitness thing is it's it's a long process. It takes a long time. And so what I want you to do is focus on creating sustainable habits rather than trying to lose all this weight in this really short amount of time. So take your time, start there, take Jacob's advice, and then and then, then we can move on from there. Cool. <clears throat> Question four. We rarely have four questions. Yeah, no. It feels weird saying that. <laughs> Excellent. What is a deload week? Uh-huh. Do I need one? Deload. So... A deload week, it can be a week, it can be two weeks, it can be, it can be days, it's a bit, it's a bit um, arbitrary. But if you've been training for a long time, a deload week just gives your body time to recover. And so we deload the amount of volume and intensity that we're doing to allow our body to recover. It doesn't mean that we need to stop entirely. It just means that we give our body a chance to catch up to the stress we've been putting it under. And so my rule of thumb is if you, if you train, if you've been consistently training for three or more times a week for, for 12 weeks, just take a week to halve your volume. So if you're doing four sets of something, maybe just do two with a slightly lighter weight. So you're still doing a bit of exercise, you're still pushing a bit of blood around, you're still stimulating the nerves. But dial back the volume so you don't create that damage. And then at the end of that week, your body's sort of caught up and allowed yourself to recover. What people find is at the end of this week, they've actually built a bit of considerable muscle. You know, they, they feel a difference in their body, they feel stronger, and then get back after it the week after. It happens a lot when people go on vacation or on holiday where they won't be training as they usually do. And then they come back to the gym after their holiday and they're stronger, they feel good. You know, their, their composition may have changed a little bit even though they're having heaps of Mai Tais at the bar every night. It's that, it's that rest and recovery and low stress state that allows our body to recover and to adapt and to change. And there's a great study um, that I referenced quite a bit and it was a nine-week study uh, following two groups of people doing resistance training and so one group just did the resistance training program the whole way through the whole nine weeks the other took a deload week in week one and halfway through so in week four or five so they pretty much just took the week off and what they found i've got the results here um that the uh the one week detraining period at the midpoint of the nine week program appears to negatively influence measures of lower body muscle strength right so the deload week group negatively affected their strength. So their strength wasn't as high. But it has no effect on lower body hypertrophy, power, or local muscular endurance. So if you're in the game for aesthetics, taking the deload isn't going to push you back. If anything, it's going to allow you to push forward. Because then after that deload, your body's recovered, ready to rumble. You can increase the intensity again, increase the volume again, up until your next deload, and then you dial back again. So I, I like deload weeks. I think people should take them uh, more often than they think because uh, you're not going to regress, particularly if you're doing strength training. If you're doing lots of circuit work and cardio, you will lose that quite quickly. I think there's like a, like a in some instances, you can start to lose performance uh, within two or three days of, of, of detraining Jeez. with your cardio and endurance work, that is. But strength work holds on. That's why we like to promote it. It's an investment. You know, you'll, you'll sustain that strength and those results for a longer amount of time. So if you're training right, a deload week is, is awesome. It doesn't need to be scheduled. You know, you can schedule it every 12 weeks if you want, but just check in with your body every now and then and go, oh, last week was a big week. I'll just dial it back this week. I'll be patient. I'll half my volume and then I'll get after it again the week after. So I'm a big fan. 
Awesome. All right. Another episode yeah. in the books, but <laughs> another one in the books. I feel exhausted after these podcasts lately. Yeah, just because there's a lot, there's a lot to get through, a lot, lot to talk about. Spelling so much information, you know. That's it. And, and a deload week of the podcast, almost. Yeah, I wonder what that would look like. Just half. Maybe, just, yeah. Just half. It's, it's probably just you, me, talking more than you. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Not as informational, but, you know. No, 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 we wouldn't do that. Um, and thank you guys for listening. If you do want more of this content, do make sure you're following, make sure you're sharing, make sure you're getting the word out, and make sure you are putting your phone down in your workout and uh, hashtagging 100% phone-free. Tag us at Jets Australia. We want to see more phone-free workouts out there. Um, and thank you for listening today. Peace out. Bye. Bye.